You are listening to Words of Jen, where I read to you one piece of my writing in each and every episode. This is Jen, and you are listening to Words of Jen, the 1997 series. This is part of what I'm doing for NAPOD POMO 2021. That's National Podcast Post Month, where the idea is to post one podcast every day during the month of November. The Words of Jen 1997 series is where I read to you a piece from a handwritten journal that I needed to write as part of my student teaching experience. Back in the day, I thought, maybe I'll do something with this someday, and it turns out that this part of the Words of Jen podcast was the thing I was going to end up doing with it. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and start reading you parts of this journal. Friday. September 12th, 1997. Three weeks gone. What got accomplished today? 1. Figured out how many absences there were from the first grade classes from C school. One student out of four classes. This was easy to figure out because Mr. D writes down in the grade book who was absent. Good idea. 2. Taught the papermaking lesson two more times to the first grade classes at M school. My timing has gotten better. All the kids got to make paper and they had about five to ten minutes left to color. 3. Graded the kindergarten class geometric work. Figured out that I am almost all caught up with the grading. I need to grade the geometric work from one afternoon class and the papermaking work eventually. 4. Figured out how I'm going to grade the papermaking from the classes that got sealed. Instead of grading them on how well they made the paper, I am going to grade them on how well they mount the paper. 5. Taught the kindergarten class geometric design lesson and the computer lesson one more time. 6. Went through the last of my film. So that's the journal from September 12, uh, 1997. So to kind of put some things in context, I was still learning how to be a teacher. I knew some of what I was supposed to do. I had lesson plans. We, Me and the teacher I was working under, Mr. D, worked together to get the stuff for the lesson plans ready for the kids. Some of it I was still working out. I was trying to figure out, like, okay, I don't get to see these kids very often. I see each class once every two weeks. So while I was starting to pick up some of their names, there's no way I'm going to remember all of them. There were 47 classes I think we figured out together between all of the three schools that Mr. D taught at. So there were little things that was slipping by. Like one of them was, okay, so this many kids did this papermaking lesson, so how many of them were absent? on both days that we did it or the day that we did it and how do we get this kid to be able to do one that was something to figure out now to track who was absent Mr. D used to write down in the grade book you know so and so was absent today and I thought that was a really good idea it was something I was intending to do if I ever got a teaching job of my own later on the paper making lesson got better as it went 
in the previous episode, we kind of struggled with it. We didn't have enough pulp. We had kids that were using too much of it in the beginning, and some of the other kids didn't get a chance, so we'd have to come back and redo it. We chose to use glossy cardboard paper because we thought it would make the paper that the kids made stand out real nice, and it turned out the gloss became an adhesive, and so I had to spend all this time carefully peeling the paper kind of off of the background, sticky, glossy cardboard for many of them, and had them mounted on, I think we decided butcher block paper, that they could sort of also do some coloring and drawing, because we were incorporating concepts of Egyptian symbols and simple, simplified things that a first grader could handle in the amount of time we had. We only had 30 minutes with them. So if we had to do the lesson piece by piece one week and then the next time I see them, that's how it had to go. So that's what we did. The geometric work with the kindergarten class, I think, was almost the last kindergarten class that needed to go through that. And the geometric thing was we punched out the shapes and we got them black paper and we got them some... I don't, know, I think it was probably glue sticks. I don't think it was glue because kindergartners tend to grab glue bottles and squeeze them as though they are toothpaste onto whatever the project is. So if you give them little glue sticks, it worked better. So I bet that's what we were doing with that. Not sure. Can't remember from decades ago, but that's what I hope we were doing with those. And that was like the filler assignment. It it had two parts really. Like the it was a filler assignment while I was pulling the rest of the kids who did not get to participate in the computer lesson with one computer. It was a collaborative effort. They got choices. Do you want to make a shape? Do you want to make a color? Okay, pick this. There's your choices. Pick one. Okay, where do you want to put it? Awesome. Repeat one more time with another set of selections and get the next kid in. And so we needed something else for the rest to be working on. And to my surprise, these kindergartners, no matter whose class it was, whether it was morning or afternoon, really dug the geometric lesson. So that went off pretty well. That's the, wor the work I was making a bulletin board of previously. I went through the last of my film, which I explained in the previous episode was kind of expensive at the time and had to be done on a camera that took film because we did not have smartphones like we have today back in 1997. So I was going to have to go buy some more film. And I think that this was the point where it dawned on me just how expensive it is to be a teacher. Because if you're student teaching, especially if you're doing three three different classes in three different schools twice a week and then go on to do either a middle school or a high school. I ended up with a high school. You don't have time for a job. You really don't. There is no job I could have possibly gotten or hung on to because I have, during college, worked three jobs and a full a full load of classes at the same time. There is no employer, even back in 1997, that was going to say, oh yeah, sure, we're gonna let you, you know, we're gonna just let you go and do your student teaching and, you know, you can have your job back when you get back. None of them wanted to do that. They needed people there immediately. They didn't care what you were doing. So, and we were replaceable. You know, we were in a college town. We had a lot of college students that had children and who needed to drop them off at the daycare so they could go and do their, their classes and things like that. So it was, you know, and now I have to buy film again because I ran through the film trying to photograph all of the geometric shape things on a bulletin board so my professor could see it. And that's kind of where that went. <laughs> so I'm going to read you one more part of the journal. It looks like I've gone from a uh, pen on what I just read you to pencil again. So I either lost the pen 
or or whatever and I think it just kind of goes back and forth like that I was just grabbing whatever I had so I could write the journal and didn't really think much about it so this is from the day after the one I just read you Monday September 15 1997 what got done today one got a tour of the middle school and met the art teacher there two peeled another class's work only one left now that would be the paper-making work that I was talking about. Three, experienced a fire drill over at sea school. Now, let me break into that. If you've been a student in the United States at some point, you had a fire drill and you were taught, okay, we all line up quietly and we follow the teacher down the hall outside and here is the designated spot on the playground where we're going to stand and we're all going to turn around and look at the school and be very, very quiet until we're told to go back in, that it's safe to go back in or whatever. So this was probably the first fire drill that I experienced as a student teacher or as a teacher in whatever capacity. And this school, I think that they they did pretty well with it, actually. So either... The students here were just more compliant than the ones I ended up with later on after student teaching, or they just felt like doing that, you know, like, sure, we're going to line up. Okay, we'll stand here. Okay, we're done. Back to what we're doing, you know, that kind of thing. I don't know, but it, I remember it went really smoothly. To continue. Four separated the paper from the two first grades at L school. It came out beautifully. I couldn't have hoped for better. I also placed them into the drying racks. Drying racks, that's a huge thing for people that are doing art in schools. What those are is exactly what it sounds like. You have some sort of wet artwork. For example, maybe you gave your students a piece of watercolor paper and some little paints and said, go. Well, by the time you're done, especially if they're kindergarten or first grade, maybe even second grade, they probably waterlogged the paper quite a bit. But that doesn't mean they couldn't still make some kind of art out of it. So you can't let them take it home that day because it's still wet. You can get them to sometimes sign their name on it. And then you stick it on a drying rack very carefully. Ideally, these things hold like a whole bunch of different papers at the same time, and they're spaced one on top of the other, but with enough room so that ideally things won't drip down to the next piece of artwork. Sometimes you have to stick them on the... At the time, there was like a radiator in a lot of classrooms from in the older schools. So you could like stick them near the radiator or near the vents of the radiator. And, you know, this was September, so it was Midwest. We were getting cold and they would like dry off a little more there. <laughs> you could try that. But you desperately need drying racks if you're going to do any kind of wet art project with like paint or paper making, for example, and stuff like that. So that was something on my mind when I wrote this journal and I was trying to figure out if I got an art classroom after I was all done with this, would I be able to afford paying for drying racks? Because I didn't think whatever school I got into as an art teacher would think it was an important enough purchase. Five, got the pulp ready and soaking for tomorrow. Six, completed one of the two kindergarten bulletin boards at C school. Probably will get the other one tomorrow. Seven, got the totem pole lesson plan and the myself as an artist lesson plan approved. Eight, graded all of the kindergarten work that has been completed up to date. I'm all caught up 
and on schedule. Reflection My film did not turn out very well. I intend to get a new camera soon, or possibly a battery for the flash. I'm not sure what to include in my binder. I can always retake these photos, at least the ones of me teaching the kindergarten computer lesson came out. So there's that. Now, this is again part of me feeling like teaching is expensive, because <laughs> I was required, if I wanted to get my degree in art education, which I obviously did, or I wouldn't have bothered with student teaching, um, I had to put together a three-ring binder that shows my professor everything I was doing. This journal was part of it, but we were required to also do photos of the artwork the students were doing, and lesson plans, and, you know, bulletin boards were big at the time. And they definitely, the professors like to see bulletin boards full of the stuff that the kids did for whatever reason that might be. They wanted to make sure we could do bulletin boards, so we did bulletin boards. And, you know, I bought film. I explained in a previous episode how expensive that was at the time, at least to me. Especially when you're student teaching in all your waking hours and grading lesson plans when you're not working at the school for no pay and you can't have a job because there is no time for that. It seemed really expensive. And then to run out of film was kind of a problem. It looks like I used the first rolls of film and got them uh, processed so that I would be able to put them in my binder and the film didn't turn out very well, which is a chance you take. You don't really know. Like back then, you just had normal little cameras. Nobody had professional cameras then because you were a student teacher. How are you going to pay for that? You know, there's no way. So the the film just didn't come out very good and I was thinking, I got to take photos of these again. Now, the bulletin boards were meant to stay up for probably for most of what was left of my student teaching experience at these elementary schools. So I wasn't worried about it suddenly disappearing or getting taken down, but I was really frustrated about just how much money I was sinking into this. And it's, it was kind of bothering me a lot at the time because I've never had a lot of money in, in my life. And here I had a whole semester where I couldn't work. I couldn't contribute to the bank account that my then boyfriend at the time and I were sharing. Um, yeah, I'm going to end this here, and I'll pick up the next one. The next one talks a little bit more about what I got done and whether or not my professor arrived to see what I was doing. And then there's more after that that get a little bit longer. So that's it for now.